years and got here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? James Lindsay, huh? Jim. I'm gonna need you to step out of the vehicle, sir. Smiling faces, smiling faces tell us. Your brother and his crew, they're backstage. This is when Carl starts to become Carl. Beware of the handshake. This is a toast to my little brother. Always got my back. It must be nice to be a celebrity. What's the problem? What's the fucking problem? a situation. What was the situation? Pardon me, sir. These detectives would like to speak with you. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I forgot to talk about Dexter last week, Dexter New Blood last week. So this week I'm going to be giving uh, producer Dave a full history and a full storytelling of Dexter. Hi, I'm producer Dave. I have not seen a single episode of Dexter. I did see an interview with the actor who plays Dexter, who kind of gave a, gave a potted history about Dexter, the serial killer. So as much as I know is that he was a serial killer. He went through several series as a serial killer. He, has a, he had a wife, he had a son, and uh, he stopped his serial killing and moved to another town. And that's it. Yes, you, you're going through, you're going through and telling everything. That's what I was going to be doing. when we Yeah, but that's, that's what I got from the interview, but I don't know anything else. I mean, that's just the outline, isn't it? Yeah, but that's, that's the outline. Don't worry. I will fill in that detail for you. I will go through and I'll explain Dexter, the TV series, and then how it segued from Dexter, the TV series into Dexter, new blood, the TV miniseries that is currently on right now that's my job pretty soon oh i'm if sorry you don't see me jumping in and taking over controls and and giving you the waving the, the the circling finger telling you to to wind up now do i i don't step on your toes my apologies <laughs> i didn't i didn't mean to crush your toes well apology accepted it's fine that's what we're going to be talking about that's one of our main topics that we'll be talking about uh, in this week so i'm going to giving producer David Campbell the rundown on uh, Dexter, both the, the new, it's not a reboot, it's just a, a continuation, which is Dexter New Blood. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. We'll do spotlight segments as well. And one of the spot, spotlight topics I want to talk about this week is, the, is a new TV show that has dropped on Netflix called True Story, starring Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes. I want to talk about that as well. 
I'm, I've just started watching it. I won't talk too much about it, but I will tell you what the plot is and go into it a little bit because uh, uh, I'm a few episodes in. I would like to share my thoughts was, while we spotlight that show. Uh, and we might, we might drop in a couple of interviews here and there just to sprinkle on our session for this week. But until we do that, let's jump into film and TV news. <laughs> TV news. One thing I just want to I want to bring up just as a quick um, uh, news topic that I want to I want to spring on producer Dave. Producer Dave has no idea about uh, this topic that I'm about That's to. That's usual. That's for usual. It's like it's what I like to do. I just like to surprise him all of a sudden and just say, "Bam! Here's some news. Let's talk about it." Uh, it's a show called um, "The Book of Boba Fett." Producer Dave, have you heard about the Book of Boba Fett? That is. Uh... <sighs> That's supposed to be a continuation or an offshoot from The Mandalorian, isn't it? That's absolutely correct. Yes. So for those who don't know, uh, first of all, the uh, character of Boba Fett uh, was first created or first came to our consciousness in the, in the, the Star Wars uh, trilogy, original Star Wars trilogy in, if I'm not mistaken, Empire Strikes Back. Boba Fett was a bounty hunter that was hired by uh, Darth Vader to capture, or you know, actually, actually, Boba Fett was hired by um, Jabba the Hutt to capture Han Solo. And he captured Han Solo at the end of Empire Strikes, Strikes Back, takes him to Jabba the Hutt, and then the beginning of Return of the Jedi, uh, our band of heroes at the very beginning storm Jabba the Hutt's uh, lair and rescue Han Solo. And in the process, Boba Fett gets thrown into, I, I keep messing this up, is it a Sarlacc pit? I think he gets, gets thrown into a, a hole where a giant monster supposedly comes and swallows him up. So that was basically when Boba Fett popped into the consciousness of, of uh, the viewing public. Then because of the, I, I think that was all that character was supposed to be, just a, a throwaway character. Um, but the problem was because of the mystery behind the character, he always wore a helmet. He never took his helmet off. So that kind of intrigued uh, fans. Loads of people who watched, who watched the Star Wars films loved the character of Boba Fett. So, f- kind of jump a whole bunch of you know, stories where different things have been brought up about the characters of Boba Fett, etc. Uh, then the series, fast forward a few decades, fast forward to n- now, right, where there's a new show on uh, Disney Plus called The Mandalorian, which is focusing on the law of this uh, group, this society uh, of bounty hunters that never show their face. So it expands from there, obviously because we know that it's come from Boba Fett, but we know that that character, The Mandalorian, is not actually Boba Fett. What happens in the series in Boba Fett, in uh, Mandalorian, is we see Boba Fett appear. So basically, um, uh, what's his name? The guy who was the showrunner for The Mandalorian gave the fans what they wanted. They, he gave the fans the uh, the resolution that Boba Fett did not actually die in the Sarlacc pit, but spent his years wandering the desert in exile, if you will. So he pops up in Mandalorian, and his character interacts with the main character in The Mandalorian, 
and it's amazing when he comes in. He essentially, he's, he's, he gives the fans what they want. And it was such a hit that it was obvious that he was going to have his own spin-off show. So all of that long rambling, just to mention that the book of Boba Fett is a new Disney Plus TV series that's going to be dropping, I believe, sometime uh, in December, perhaps. Um, so the trailer has just been put on uh, IMDb uh, at the moment. So you can go in, you can just YouTube the book of Boba Fett TV spot, and you will see uh, what it is. Actually, I think it's a, it, I think it's maybe just after Christmas uh, is going to be in there. My, one of my favorite characters, uh, favorite not favorite characters, favorite actors is um, Ming-Na Wen. She is in uh, the uh, Book of Boba Fett. Again, she comes from, uh, it's been part of the Star Wars lore from the Mandalorian. Uh, so she's in it as well. Um, and then the main actor, I keep, I always forget his name. So I'm just gonna have to do a very, very quick search who plays um, uh, the, uh, Boba Fett. Uh, Timura Morrison, that's it. Timura Morrison, New Zealand actor, I love this guy. Every time he pops up, you, you recognize him from, uh, from Aquaman. He plays uh, Arthur, I keep saying Arthur Dent. It's not Arthur Dent, Arthur Dent is someone else. Uh, he keeps playing Aquaman's dad, his human dad. Um, to, uh, Arthur Curry, that's it. So he's an Aquaman. Uh, he's, he was in Star Wars. They put him in uh, so you can see how the, um, how the bounty hunter Boba Fett came about. So he was originally in the prequels Star Wars in there, but now he reprises that role of Boba Fett in Mandalorian and now in the book of Boba Fett. I first used to see him in a TV show called Shortland Street uh, way back in the late 90s. Um, it was a New Zealand uh, drama. Anyway, side, 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 uh, side tangent. Just talking about um, Tamura uh, Morrison, who plays Boba Fett. Love the guy. I think he's fantastic. Anyway, so he's in it. We've got uh, Ming-Na Wen. You recognize her from... She's, she's famous for being... For having been possibly the only person who has been a Marvel superhero, a Star Wars badass and a Disney princess. Uh, she voiced Mulan in the animated series for Mulan, and she was in the, uh, the um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show as uh, Melinda May. She's amazing in that, uh, fantastic actress. So the pedigree of this show, um, The Book of Boba Fett, is one that just for me, I'm like, I cannot wait to jump in. I thought Mandalorian was fantastic. I thought, that uh, it was very well done, it was very well paced. Um, John Favreau, that's who was the showrunner for, uh, for The Mandalorian. I thought he did an excellent job on that project. Sorry to interrupt you, just right there. Sure. Um, yeah. I was gonna bring in that point actually, because you turn around and mention his name. John Favreau, he straddles both the Star Wars and the uh, Marvel superhero. Oh, absolutely. He, he's, he, he is responsible for kicking off the MCU because he directed Iron Man, the very first Iron Man, right? And he did such a great job. Both he and Robert Downey Jr. basically are the tag team that, that, in, that brought together, brought about what we now know as the MCU. That's basically what you're pointing it to, right? That as well. Uh, he was also in, he was the, the, Boyfriend of um, Peter Parker's um, Aunt May. Yeah, he, he plays Happy. He plays Happy, um, who is um, 
uh, Tony Stark's driver. So he directed Iron Man, but he also plays Happy, who's Tony Stark's uh, driver slash bodyguard, who then gets promoted as the Iron Man series goes on to be his uh, not not CFO or COO, uh, but he's off his chief operating officer, if you will. And yes, you're right. In he he segues into um, the Spider-Man, uh, you know, the um, Tom Holland Spider-Man verse where he Aunt May's boyfriend. Oh no, no, on on again, off again, boyfriend. So he's, he plays, he plays happy. He's great in that uh, as well. It's just he's he, John Favreau is great at, at what he does. He knows how to tell a good story. He's funny when you see him on screen. Um, and yeah, so yeah, you're right. He does straddle. Um, he's he he's he straddled Star Wars and MCU. Let him do Disney Princess, and then we can put him in the same league as Ming Na Wen. But he's not there yet. I don't think he has the legs to pull off Disney Princess. I don't think he'll be a Disney Princess. No. <laughs> um, I, never say never, right? Well, he might, he, he, he might be the father of a Disney Princess. <laughs> Again, I'm not gonna judge. You never know. He might surprise all of us. He might. Say, yeah. How okay. it takes to be the next Disney princess, uh, and, and that will happen. So, listen to please on Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, producer Dave, and this is Spotlight. So in our spotlight segment today, as I promised earlier, I'm going to regale uh, producer Dave with stories about the TV show Dexter and the subsequent TV show Dexter New Blood. Now, let me start off by explaining that. Let me ask producer Dave. Producer Dave, have you seen any episode of Dexter? Not a single one. Okay, so I'll give a, a quick I say quick, everybody that knows me says, you do quick, that'll be the day. Uh, I'll give a quick summation of what the TV show Dexter is all about and where we now find the show and the character. So the TV show Dexter is based on, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's called His Dark Passenger, which is a, a series of books. I may be wrong about the name of the books, but it's something along the same line. Uh, Dexter Morgan, His Dark Passenger, something like that. Now, the TV show itself and the book is based on this character called Dexter Morgan, who is a blood spatter analyst for the Miami-Dade Police Department. Um, so he helps the police solve crimes, usually murders, because that's where blood tends to get involved. But the twist is he's also actually a serial killer himself. However, he's a good person. He's a good, well, saying a good person is slightly off. He's a good serial killer in the sense that he only kills, he only targets bad people. And by bad people, I mean serial killers or people who he understands will not repent for what they've done. Now, I'm putting that in the very loosest of terms because his scale of morality tends to slide and shift a lot of the time. So he tends to excuse some of the things that he does. But that is essentially what his moral code is all about. And the reason he has that moral code is because his adopted father or his adoptive father um, Harry Morgan was a police officer who uh, died before the show began, but as such appears to him regularly and sort of counsels him. And we get flashbacks every now and again to when he was growing up. So Dexter's real origin was that, that 
um, the origin that we found out uh, as we go through the show is when he was found by Harry Morgan, the cop on the beat, he was found in a cargo container just filled with blood um, because, well, it's not filled, but like with blood everywhere. And he was as a, a young boy, maybe about three years old. And his mother was hacked to pieces in the cabin by some local gangsters, etc. And he was found in that environment. And the police officer, Harry Morgan, picks him up and adopts him. And as he grows older, the police officer, Harry Morgan, discovers that Dexter is exhibiting signs of being a potential serial, like a budding serial killer. You know, the, the bedwetting, obviously a traumatic event. There's sort of in pop psychology, they're the three indicators of someone who could become a psychopath or a sociopath rather, and eventually possibly become, although not all sociopaths are serial killers, just want to make that distinction, um, that the three indicators are usually bedwetting, childhood trauma, and cruelty uh, to animals. Those are th the three indicators according to pop psychology. So obviously, Harry Morgan discovers this in his child and he catches it early on when uh, Dexter, with no remorse, brings home a one of the neighbor's pets. However, what he does discover is the pet was actually a pet that was terrorizing the other neighbor, neighbor's pets and whatever. And as such, what this police officer does is rather than have him committed, he feels he can instill a code in Dexter and channel his desire to kill things in what he considers being the right direction. And as such, he gives him that code that he has to follow, which is always make sure you test and check and, and validate and research and find that the person that you're about to target is actually deserving of your vengeance and such. And so that's how the show carries on. So we see constantly uh, the, the, the book, His Dark Passenger, um, uh, in, in implies obviously the voice that Dexter hears, his internal monologue, uh, which is depicted in the show as his you know, conversations with his dad when he's about to commit crimes, when he's, he's finds somebody he thinks is the person that needs to be killed and so on and so forth. So that's what the show is about. It's a brilliant, brilliant piece of TV drama because it is, it is funny, it is darkly com comedic, but also dramatic as well. There are excellent performances. I would say practically everyone who shows up in the show is just on point. You have Michael C. Hall, who plays Dexter Morgan. You have Jennifer Carpenter, who plays Deborah Morgan, who is his sister, his adopted sister. Is it adoptive or adopted? I, I can't tell which one it is. Anyway, she's in it as well. She's fantastic. You got David Zayas, who plays uh, Sergeant uh, Angel Batista. I, every time I see him, I see him in tons of stuff uh, these days. But every time I see him, I just think, hey, is, is uh, Batista, you know, because he's just amazing in there. And then you have all the other people who are in there as well. Julie Benz plays Rita Bennett, who we meet her in from season one as Dexter's uh, uh, love interest. So we see Dexter as a fully grown adult who is essentially a sociopath. He's, he, he, he says it himself. It's the fact that he, he cannot feel actual feelings like emotions he, he watches people and he observes people and he he basically his actions and emotions are all acted they're acted out the performances based on what he's observed so you follow him through each season so each season 
it, it's uh, the, it sort of starts out where you have you have your usual sort of episodes, you know, like um, villain of the day type episode, but you always have your villain of the season, who's usually a serial killer that stretches out across the season, and you're tracking Dexter as he tracks that serial killer, finding research and trying to get them, the whole cat and mouse game. That's what made the show so great. Now, there were in the first iteration of the show, Dexter, it ran from 2006 to 2007, uh, to 2013. And there were, uh, I believe, hold on, I'm just gonna double check just to make sure I don't wanna mess this up. There were eight seasons of that particular show. So there were eight seasons of Dexter. Now, the reason why I'm trying to be as specific as I can be is because season one is brilliant. Season one is very, very good. It sets up um, the, the show, the characters. You get to get your favorites in the characters. One of my favorites from season one and season two. I, 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 it's just, in fact, one of my favorites in the show entirely is played by Eric King, Sergeant James Dokes. If you, if you haven't watched... Um, Dexter, you'll recognize him from the memes and the YouTube channels and the vines. Uh, you may not recognize him, but you will definitely recognize, um, it, it, it's that meme that was going around where and I'm not gonna say the full expression because it's obviously a curse word and it's surprise mother, what? And so on, right? So Bruce, do you know, do you catch the meme I'm talking about? And I'm rambling a little bit, but do, do, do you know which meme I'm talking about? Where it's sort of like, uh, surprise M effer. Do you recognize that meme? Yeah, I, I've seen that meme. Yes, 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 yes. So that was his character. That was kind of like his catchphrase, if you will. And it just took off where people started using his uh, his delivery to, to, to have a whole series of things like supplies, MFA, um, some fries, MFA. And so it was just it, very, very good. Anyway, Eric King, fantastic work. Anything I see him in, he's always James Dokes to me. Anyway. So you have season one being very, very good. Season two was very good as well. Not as good as season one, but it was, so if we say, if we're putting it in sort of order, right? I'll say season one was brilliant. Season two was very good. Season three was good, right? So kind of law of diminishing returns. So season three was good. It had a, compelling story all the if, if i would say as i said the villain of the week or villain of the day or villain of the week or whatever were, were much better than the overall season villain and it built up built up and then season four was exceptional so season one brilliant season four far better than season one it was just it was just amazing it was it's like it, it was such gripping television that led to a finale that just was it, it literally if had they ended the show at the end of season four Dexter would be at the top of everyone's best tv show of all time because that it, it, it was just John Lithgow joined in in the show at that point and it was just amazing it didn't end there season five came in and then we kind of dropped down to very good. Season six was very good. Season seven was good. And then season eight was, all right, I guess this is the show we're watching. <laughs> and it got to that point. And it was like, wow, really? Um, come on. Um, 
Uh, and that's where it ended. And that's what a lot of fans actually said. A lot of fans were like, look, this show, the way it ended, the, the choices that were made to, uh, in the way it ended just basically kind of ruined it in that regards because it was like eight seasons and it's like, wow, you destroyed our favorite character, one of our favorite characters, our favorite TV shows. And that ended in 2013 and people were like, and the conversation between 2013 and now, literally when you talk to fans, was like, if you say, what did you think about Dexter? It's like, yeah, Dexter was a great show. Stop watching after season four. That's kind of how the conversation went amongst diehard fans. I mean, I'm, I consider my, myself a diehard fan. I watched every single episode. I wouldn't stop after season four. I would, I, I would say if I had to stop, I would have stopped at the end of season seven. That's where I would have stopped. I would have written out season eight. But anyway, that's not me. So that is Dexter. Producer Dave, you still with me so far? I haven't bored you to tears. No, 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 no. I'm still there. I'm still there. Good. Good. Uh, to what I've taken from that is um, the season's watch is um, season one and season four. I wouldn't say you should just watch season one and season four. You should definitely watch season two. I would say if you if you watch season one, season two, season four, season five, um, and then just come to me and I'll explain what happened. I'll, I'll, oh, season five, season six. So yeah, so season six, just so that you can get an understanding of certain things that happen. So season one, season two, season four, season five, season six right once you get to that season seven yeah iffy season eight yeah yeah so much well right but again that's not denigrating i am denigrating but i'm just saying you know if you had to absolutely pick those are the ones i'd say you should pick now you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako. and i'm producer dave and, and that really <laughs> well, I'm kind of confused. I mean, out of all those seasons there's two that stand out well one season one you have to watch for the, for the intro and you said oh. the best season is season four so the best yes. ones twos are season one and season four See, but the reason why the reason why i'm saying season two as well is because obviously there are characters who die right who get killed off and I don't want to mention who gets killed off because I want you to carry on watching it. And they, if you skip season two, then you miss some of the great characters that get killed off. And then it's like, well, where you, when you jump to season four, it's like, well, where, where did that person go? Where did that person go? You, uh, you want to see why that person went, which is why I said season two is very good. Season one is brilliant, right? Definitely watch season one. Watch season two then skip season three because you can pretty much guess what happens. And then season four, you definitely need to watch season four. And then the reason why I'm saying you should watch five and six is because of this new mini series that has just popped up, which I'm about to segue into. Okay. Does that sort of answer your question? Okay. Let's segue. Let's segue. Okay. So as I've been saying, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And I am regaling producer Dave on the story that is Dexter. So we've talked about the first in, you know, iteration of Dexter, the first eight seasons. Now, there's a, we jump from 2013 to 2021, now that we are, although in the show, I think they say it's 10 years. And we now have Dexter New Blood. We jump 10 years 
from when we last saw Dexter because Dexter ends the, so at the end of the show, at the end of Dexter, so this is spoilers. So I don't know, I should, you know, maybe producer Dave, if I haven't, if you haven't done this already, please put a bit just before this spotlight segment, which is going to be a spoiler warning for everything Dexter. So that people can skip until the end and not listen to this rant if they want to carry on watching Dexter. So producer Dave, remember that, do that. Anyway, where we leave Dexter at the end of season eight, Dexter had a child called Harrison with the love of his life, Rita. Um, spoilers, I've given ample warnings. At the end of season four, Rita is murdered. She gets killed in a bath. She's soaked in blood. The blood spores onto the water. He walks in to find so the John Lithgow plays the uh, serial killer in that season. He has just gone in. He's just killed uh, uh, John Lithgow's character. I've forgotten the name of the character, but he's just killed that character. And he comes home to find that actually before he got to the serial killer, the serial killer had gotten to his wife and had killed his wife and had left their son, uh, Harrison, in a pool of blood, not his blood, but his mother's blood, in the bath. So kind of like a mirror image of how he was left in the container at the very, very beginning when he was younger and rescued by his dad. So he now has this worry that his son is going to grow up to be just like him. Fast forward a few seasons on, he, uh, I think season six is where Dexter encounters uh, another serial killer uh, played by Yvonne Strahovski, um, uh, and her character's name is Hannah McKay, and he falls in love with her. And the two of them understand each other as serial killers, if you will. And at the end of season eight, the plan is because Dexter's crimes are about to come to light, um, he and Hannah want to flee with Harrison to Argentina. But because there's a storm and Dexter can't leave, he has to go and rescue his sister, um, uh, Deborah, from the hospital. He leaves uh, Hannah and Harrison at the airport. They fly off, they go to Argentina without him. He goes and he takes his sister who has now died um, in the hospital. He takes her, they get into a speedboat and they drive into the ocean. Into the, into the oncoming storm. And as such, everyone now believes that Dexter and Deborah are dead. Deborah is dead, but then the very last scene of season eight is we see a bearded Dexter in a lumberjack, in, you know, lumberjack country, basically now living under a new um, per, a persona. And he's writing a letter to Hannah that he's sending off to Hannah. So that's where we left season eight. Jump 10 years to Dexter New Blood. We find Dexter in this new icy town, this really small town in the middle of frozen country. Um, uh, frozen country, I don't know names, but you know what I mean. It's, it's in near Alaska, but I'm, I, I'm terrible when it comes to that kind of uh, my, my new detail of the show, but just bear with me anyway. So he's all the way in, in this icy town, this secluded town, um, and that's where he's living, right? So, oh, that's, that's where it is. It's upstate New York, Iron Lake. That's where he's in. He's in Iron Lake in upstate New York. So that's where he's now um, 
established his new life. He's living under a new name. He's basically living there where he expects, no, you know, he doesn't need to ply his trade. We even find out at the beginning that he doesn't even have that dark passenger anymore. Although he does have that dark passenger, it's no longer his dad. It's now his sister that appears to him and talks to him and is trying to keep him in line. He's not going to kill, not going to start killing again. And then something happens, and I'm not going to spoil this one because it's just started. Something happens. He obviously slips and he kills and he has to now go back to his old ways and the dark passenger returns. The dark passenger, actually, I made a mistake. I said it was, it was represented by his dad and his sister. It's not actually his dark passenger that's represented by them. His dark passenger is his narration. You hear his narration and Michael C. Hall has the, oh man, it is, it's a deep monotone narration that just chills. It works perfectly. I can't see anybody else playing Dexter Morgan than Michael C. Hall. He nails it. I can't see him playing any other character other than Dexter Morgan. That's him. He's got that locked. That voice is just chilling. So the Dark Passenger returns and he has to basically, we sort of like return to the brilliance of season one where we're seeing he's rusty, right? So he's not as, because he hasn't been doing this for 10 years. So he has to go through the whole, okay, I need to cover up this. I need to make sure this is done. But he was obviously making mistakes because he's rusty. And it's not just that, you have a whole bunch of other drama that's going on in the town that's slowly building up. And what further complicates that drama Harrison turns up. His son, Harrison, um, shows up because he tracked him down because of the letter that he had sent to Hannah. And Hannah's now died. Hannah died of cancer three years earlier. That's when uh, Harrison discovered the letter and discovered that his father was alive. And after jumping from foster home to foster home, he's now 16 and he's now come to Iron Lake to find his father. And he's found his father. He's discovered that his father is obviously using a different name. So he hasn't said anything about, you know, who Dexter was. He doesn't know the full story. Well, we don't, we, we don't believe that he knows the full story of Dexter just yet, but he knows that Dexter is obviously hiding something, but he's still playing along. And we're seeing that we, he's got skills of his own as well. Just he is his father. So we can see that coming. And so we start to build from that. So right now um, I've watched three of the four episodes that are out. I think those episodes, so far, the show is exhibiting the brilliance of season one. I don't believe it's gone to season four level yet, but obviously that's to be expected. Um, it's going, it's, it's it, because it needs to put us back into that, into that, uh, that state of mind. It's still building up. I think uh, and I know they say it's a mini series, so there's the expectation that it's going to be a one and done season. But I think if they really capture the brilliance of season one and they do that with new blood, I think there'll be a season two. And it, I think I think they could hit it out of the park because they've they've got they've got all the right elements in there. The actors, um, some of them deliver great performances. You have. And not only do you have uh, Michael C. Hall returning, you have Jennifer Carpenter, like I mentioned, returning as his sister, who's his, and she's or she's always, a, she's a rough edge that is just, sharp edge that is just, sharp, 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 rough edge. I don't know if that's, it doesn't matter. She has, she's very, 
cutting and she's very good. She's very good at being at playing Deborah Morgan. Um, but she's in it, she's great. Clancy Brown appears in it as well. And he is everything Clancy Brown is in. The range this guy has, right, is amazing. I mean, Clancy Brown, you would recognize him either as um the voice of um the, the voice of what's his name? Uh is it Kratos? Uh, from uh, from um, Thor Ragnarok. So those of you who are, who've seen Thor Ragnarok uh, would recognize. Uh, I think it's Kratos, the very big, uh, fire-breathing. Uh, so, so it's not Kratos. Sorry, Sutter, Sutter from from uh, Thor Ragnarok. So that he plays that voice, or you'd recognize him as Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants, or as Damien Darkblood, the voice of Damien Darkblood in Invincible. Um, so he does a lot of voice work. But obviously, when you see him in, um, in, you know, in live action stuff, he's fantastic. He's he's got a, a just an, a, a brilliant screen presence, and his voice is just terrific. Lex Luthor from uh, from a lot of DC comics and so on. Anyway, he's in it as well. He's a fantastic actor. So he's that's just part of the pedigree in this new season that's just popped up. So I can't wait to to see the fully fully realized first season of Dexter New Blood. I think it's going to be as brilliant as Dexter season one. I'm hoping that it's going to actually, because that's what the thing with Dexter, what was great about the show was they always had great cliffhangers. That's kind of what the, the last episodes were great cliffhangers. Um, that sort of baited you, wanting you to come back. Like I said, with season four, with him discovering Rita in the bathtub. That's and then one of the seasons, I think it's season six, if I'm not mistaken. The cliffhanger in season six was um, what's her name? Uh, Deborah discovering that Dexter was a serial killer. That just it's great, it's great TV. That's what I recommend that you go and check it out. So, producer Dave, I recommend you check it out. Give me one second. Ah, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, go check it out. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze. On Resonance 104.4 FM, I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And I've just been regaling uh, producer Dave on uh, Dexter. And I think, let me ask you this question, uh, producer Dave. From hearing me talk about it, is this a TV show that you feel you're going to go to watch? Um, I, might, <laughs> I might try out one or two episodes from um, the new one. I'm not too sure if I'm going to go and watch the whole of the series of Dexter. Uh, the oh. thought of watching a serial killer at work and it's like rooting for him doesn't really appeal, but uh, I'll give it a whiz. It's not okay. if I've watched anything more. Thingy. I mean, your, your, your regalement of the show was very comprehensive. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm telling you, Dexter is in my top 10 favorite TV shows of all time. Cat, number one of that list is Firefly. I haven't seen anything that topples Firefly off that list. Number two is The Wire. Still, nothing has toppled that off the list. From three going down, we start to, you know, it's the, the waters tend to get muddy and all the TV shows tend to fight with each other. Breaking Bad tends to fight with Better Call Saul and The Mandalorian also comes in and Walking Dead and, and so on, all these TV shows. And Dexter is definitely in that mix. They punch it out, seriously. So that's why I'm saying, you know, it's, it's all of those shows. They're in there, in the mix. It's in my top 10 favorites of all time. 
and for good reason. It's a brilliant show. I, I, it's definitely not for children. There's a lot of cursing. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of blood. So it's definitely not for children. In fact, I believe the first season was rated as 18, um, rightly so. Um, so don't let your kids watch it. Unless you're like me and you let your kids watch stuff that they shouldn't be watching, which is under parental supervision. So anything that happens, anything, the kids come out and say anything, I'm the one that always gets called to school to come and explain why, <laughs> why, you know, making jokes in school. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I've seen Michael C. Hall in, um, well, the thing I remember him in was Six Feet Under. I also saw him in the play Lazarus, which he did yes. after uh, um, the David Bowie play. So, you know, I, I thought he was really, really good in Six Feet Under. And that kind of encourages me to see him do something in Dexter. So I'll probably give it a whiz, but uh, I'll, I'll do it when I'm comfortable sitting down watching it. If I want to watch a horror, I'll, I'll go for Dexter. You should. You should. Now, I mentioned at the start of the show that I was going to be uh, talking a little bit uh, about uh, a new show that I'm watching on Netflix called True Story, which stars uh, Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes. I was having a conversation with somebody recently. I, I can't remember who it was, but um, they, we, the topic of um, Wesley Snipes popped up. And it was the fact that, you know, the, the person said, oh, they hadn't seen Wesley Snipes too much recently. They remember him back from the 80s and so on and so forth. And, I, and I, I, on the other hand, have been following Wesley Snipes' career for a long time. How, you know, it rose from, rose from the 80s, how it became, he became a superstar in the 90s with things like uh, Blade and, and uh, Passenger 57, uh, Passenger 57, Passenger 54. Is it 57 or 54? One of the two. Um, and, you know, um, those Demolition Man and, and so on. So white man can jump. The list is endless. Wesley Snipes, global superstar. And then he dropped off uh, towards the end of the 90s in the 2000s. And he started doing loads of straight to DVD stuff. Uh, and then due to tax issues, he went to jail. And then he came back out of jail and he's trying to do his, he's trying to uh, have a renaissance in his career. And um, he you know, came back with films like a lot of Eddie Murphy, well, a couple of the Eddie Murphy comeback films, if you will. Um, first one was, I always forget the name, Dolomite is my name. That's why I always forget the name. Dolomite is my name on Netflix. Uh, Wesley Snipes is amazing in that. Um, go check him out. He plays against his regular type. And then another Eddie Murphy film was Coming to America Part Two. Uh, he, he's in that as well. And then the third effort is now in True Story with Kevin Smith. So the story of True Story is basically is uh, is following a global sensation uh, comedy star played by Kevin Hart, known as The Kid. Uh, and he has a tour stop in Philadelphia, which becomes a matter of life and death uh, for him. Essentially, Wesley Snipes plays Carlton, which is The Kid's brother. And uh, he, he's, he's essentially that wayward brother of the star that you know that it's sort of, it, it, it's, it's the, he's the one who brings his, the star down, if you will. He's always causing trouble for, you know, the hero, if you will. So that's basically the relationship between the two of them. Wesley Snipes plays it brilliantly. He plays that character with such, oh, with, with such vigor. And it says, you know, vigor is, I just say, literally, you could tell, I say you could tell, 
if you say that Wesley Snipes didn't put any effort into the role, I would say, okay, he didn't put any effort into the role. He was basically playing his worst self. So from all the stories that you've heard about him being troublesome on the set of Blade Trinity or how he basically, you know, you know, decided not to come back to Major League because he felt he was too big for the TV show, but for the film and so on, when there were others like Tom Berenger and Woody Harrelson on that. And so, hey, whatever you want to think about that, take all of that, that, that negativity that you've heard of Wesley Snipes and put it into a failed character. So a character who's who basically is a failure in, in the shadow of their superstar sibling. And that's what he did because it is, you, you're watching it and you're seeing the mistakes that he's making. And it's not even mistakes. You're seeing it as him looking at it as a conscious decision, but it's a stupid conscious decision. And you're like, what are you doing? But he plays it so well. Kevin Hart as well. He smacks out of power. I mean, Kevin Hart is basically playing himself, literally. You can see, and by himself, I don't mean the Kevin Hart persona that we see in TV interviews. I'm, I'm saying what you can expect from someone like Kevin Hart, where basically he's a global superstar and he always has to be on, but he's having his whole life crumble behind him, uh, behind the scenes, but still has to put up that face in front of the fans, in front of the press, and still go on and do comedy shows and so on and so forth. He basically plays himself. And I followed Kevin Hart's career as well. Uh, and, and mainly, I say follow his career. I didn't follow his career, but I did watch a TV show that he did in, on Netflix a, a while ago, which kind of, it, it was a few episodes following um, him trying to develop a, a film with Idris Elba and a number of other people, with Chadwick Boseman as well before real life situations actually encounter and, and and derail the plans for that one of them being the whole issue about uh, uh, old homophobic tweets re-emerging um, re and then causing him to lose out on the oscar um not oscar but the oscar presentation oscar host gig um how that you know what actually happened when he did that how his team wanted him to sort of fix things, but what you see, and you're seeing it in real time because I think if if they if they fake that, then they faked it very well. But it seems as if it was a documentary following while he was while that was happening. So it was edited in retrospect, but it was filmed while it was happening. So you're seeing news stories break. One of the news stories that broke is very similar to what is in True Story. Um, where in, in, in real life, it was something about uh, sort of, he goes out, has a, a night out with friends, there's alcohol involved, and he ends up having an affair and it's filmed. And, but he's, he was married at the time and or he's still married and so on. And that was the new story that broke in that TV, in that documentary series. In this TV show, it's, a, it's very similar, but the actual consequences of what he did that night are far more um, far more gruesome and everything else it just it spirals out of control. Um, definitely enjoy the show. I'm watching it. Okay, enjoy is a strong word, and enjoy may not be the right word I want to use. The reason why I'm saying that is because I'm I'm still watching the show because I love the actors in it. I love Kevin Hart. I love what he does. A lot of people have stuff to say about him. I don't care what those people say. The negativity. I think he's very good at what he does. He's funny when he needs to be. 
Uh, and when he's dramatic, he's good. He's, he's all right. I like Kevin Hart. Wesley Snipes, I can't cheer for the guy any louder. I want him to get an Oscar. I, I hope he doesn't go back to his Blade Trinity days, but I want the guy to do well. Then you have other people like Theo Rossi. I love Theo Rossi from um, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he played Juice. He's also in um, Luke Cage. He's shit, he's, he plays Shades in Luke Cage. Theo Rossi's in it. Great actor. Fantastic actor. I can't wait to see him in, do more. Billy Zane's in it as well. Uh, you get So you get a whole bunch of these uh, great character actors popping up and doing excellent work. Uh, I'm on episode four right now. I think it's a... If I'm not mistaken, it's a seven-episode show, so I'm I'm powering through it. The reason why I, I pulled back from saying I'm enjoying it, there is an inciting incident that occurs, or there's the inciting incident that occurs in the first episode, and I believe there is going to be a twist in that incite from that inciting incident that is going to be revealed pretty soon. The problem is, if that twist occurs, you, do you remember when we were talking uh, the other day, Dave, when we were talking about uh, what's the show, Hellbound, which I still recommend everybody go and see. Hellbound, also on Netflix, um, the Korean drama about uh, people who have a demonic appearance or a, a, an apparition appear to them and tell them that they have a certain amount of time left before they are going to die and they get dragged to hell. And then three monstrous creatures just emerge and rip that rip all manner of body parts off of you before they burn you to an ash and so on and i said to you one of the problems i had while i was watching it was i felt like i could predict where the show was going but it completely pulled the rug from under my legs and onto my feet and i did not know and i just and i loved it for that the problem with true story is i'm having exactly the same problem that inciting incident I think I've seen the twist and I've seen the twist just as the inciting incident is happening. And the problem with that is it is now colored how the rest of the show is going. And I'm seeing that and it's making me, you know how when you're watching a car crash happen, like cringe TV, you're watching cringe TV and you're thinking, oh, stop, just stop, just stop. That's the feeling I have as I'm watching it. The acting is still great. The writing and the characterization is fantastic. I, I just have that. That's and it's that little thing in the pit of my stomach that is basically stopping me from fully enjoying it. So I'm hoping one of two things happen. I'm hoping that twist does come to play out to be what I expected, and I want it to play out immediately, just so that the characters can react and we can move on from there because they've already gone far down the rabbit hole. It can't be reversed. They need to now react and go forth from that. That's what I hope. And that would then make me start to enjoy the show. If they wait till the very end and it's at the very last episode, they reveal that twist. I'm going to feel, ah, okay, fine. Still a good show either way, but I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to enjoy it, but let's see. I, it's called True Story. It's on Netflix, Kevin Hart, Wesley Snipes. Check it out. Tell us what you think. Send us a message on Twitter at STB underscore Resonance FM or on Instagram at Shoot the Breeze Show. Put a hashtag true story and then tell us what you think. Uh, right, I've been rambling. Be, is it? Gonna, tell me, is it? Have you seen Gallowalkers? No. The stars Wesley Snipes. I haven't seen Gallowalkers. No. Right. Okay. Gallowalkers kind of um, put me off watching too many more Wesley Snipes 
films. Okay. Uh, and the good thing, the good thing about Dolomite was that it didn't star Wesley Snipes, but he was in it and he did a he, he had a really good turn in there. But I'm still carrying the memory of Gala Walkers with me, if you see what I mean, which was <laughs> gosh. If if I had to give it a, if I had to give it a mark, I I'd be struggling to give it a half. Ooh, okay. Out, out of five. That is it, it is. Mm. There were some was good scenes in there. Movie. Sorry? Is what that was the twenty twelve movie. It was done in twenty ten and it wasn't released okay. for two years afterwards. And even sure. then it didn't get full release until two years after that. So, you know, that's an indication as far as I'm concerned of. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, again, that for me, I think it was, it was coming towards the end of a point where he, that's the straight to DVD portion of his career. And I think he went to jail either straight after around that time or just before that time. And when yeah, he was just, just before. Just before, there you go. So that's, yeah, so I, it's it's nothing like Gallo Walkers at all. Okay. It, it is very well done. Um, I mean, just scanning through it, I've just had a look on Gal for Gala Walkers, and I'm seeing it's again, yeah. So, not denigrating any of these people, but it looked the 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 pedigree in this basically tells me that okay, I can see what type of movie it is. It's again, it's a paycheck type movie for him to pay off the the uh, the the tax the tax bill. Um, True Story is not that at all. True Story is prop is very well done, obviously. Kevin Hart produced, um, and it is it, you know it is gripping. It is gripping. You twists are happening. There are things that there's things that happened that did. I, I was like, whoa, okay, you went there, you went there. Okay, fair enough. Not twists that I didn't see coming, but twists were like, yeah, that makes sense that you would do that. That makes sense that you go in that direction. That makes sense that that happened because you did this and because you made that mistake, it leads to that and so on and so forth. So. The, it's lead it's leading you through the story um and it's very very well done like i said it's not gallo walkers kevin uh, wesley snipes shows up for this one which is why i'm saying if anybody says oh he's just phoning it in he's not phoning it in he showed up for this performance he is doing he's doing pedigree wesley snipes I, i'd say this if and this is me saying this i'm gonna i'll put my neck out I'll stand on that ledge and i'll say when and I'm saying when, when we start having conversations where, you know, the whole Robert Downey Jr. recovery and we start getting awards being given, I would not be surprised if this show is one of those stories that's, that's mentioned, one of those examples that is mentioned when Wesley Snipes is being pulled up to say, hey, and uh, the, uh, you know, outstanding, you know, achievement, you know, for lifetime and career kind of thing is mentioned. Blade, Demolition Man. True story. I, I I believe his performance in this is reminiscent of early Spike Lee days when he did Jungle Fever. That time, that type of Wesley Snipes. I think that's him in this show, and I I think more power to him. He's he's doing the work. Let him let him get the uh, the accolades. So I've been rambling uh, nonstop, and I want to thank you all very much for listening to me as I constantly ramble about TV shows and films that I like. Um, I'm glad that you're not bored. Or even if you're bored, maybe you put this show on to fall asleep. That's great. I'm glad I could assist you in that fashion. Um, I'm going to keep doing it until the uh, the experts at Resonance FM, who I'd like to thank again for again not listening to our show, 
uh, until they decide whether to listen to the show. No, that's not what we want. And they kick us off the air. But until they do that, I want to thank them very much for giving us the platform to talk shows that we like. We have been, you've just been listening or you've just been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I am, I have been, <laughs> I butchered that. Seriously, I seriously butchered that. Let me do that again, shall I? Uh, you have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer, Dave. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Let's speak to you all next time. Good. Bye.